Hi. Hi, we're here. Okay, I hear you guys. I hear you guys. Okay. So I guess, uh, are you guys going to be um, just on the same just on the same account? Yeah, we'll, we'll just... Like, yeah. We're just like right next to each other in the office unless you ask okay. us to go in different accounts. No, I think that's fine. Yeah, you could link to all three of us on Twitter in the chat, okay. but I think that might be easier. Yeah, I think I think this is totally fine. Um, I'm just going to give it a couple more seconds, and then I will start the uh, recorder, and then um, we can record this as well. Brilliant. Uh, it's probably it's probably kind of awkward timing for a lot of people right now, given work and everything. So uh, there'll probably be a little bit less viewers than normal. Um, okay, so let's see. Okay, I sent the tweet out as well. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I had a bunch of issues yesterday. So yesterday we had a huge uh, kind of space with, um, I don't know if you guys have been following the whole Tether and kind of Bitfinex uh, drama, the whole crypto crypto uh, scene. So that was a big one yesterday. Super fun. But my recorder, it's it's super weird because you can only, rec- you can only basically have speaker on on your phone, right? So it limits your options there for then recording. And then you can't just do, if you're the speaker, you can't just do a normal, you know, just iPhone screen record. You have to do a separate app. Well, the app that I downloaded to record, of course, it doesn't say anything, but then it, it only lets you record for five minutes and then you're supposed to upgrade. So oh, it's... it cut me off at five minutes and the, I, I have to cut, I have to cut it up like a, basically a movie and mm-hmm. add them all together. So Sorry, I think I fixed it now. So we'll see. Okay, so I'm going to start Randy. the recorder here. I'm sorry. I was saying hi to Chico and Randy. They're listening. Oh, I know. I know. We got a couple in here. I'm sure we'll get a I few can. more over time as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's see. Let me just start the recorder. And we will uh, we'll get going soon. Cool. Okay, there we go. That's good to go. Okay, perfect. Alrighty, so... Thanks everyone for coming in today. Today we're just going to do a quick Q&A with the venture and accelerator firm in Austin, Texas, uh, Sputnik. Um, We prepared some questions, uh, really looking forward to kind of uh, their story today and some of the questions or some of the answers that they have to our questions. And uh, we look forward to kind of working with them hopefully in the future as well. So we'll just kind of get right into it. if uh, both of you just want to give a quick short history about yourself and how you got into really venture capital or, or tech, really. All right. Um, I will start and I have like, you know, I sometimes joke that I have one of the most non-traditional approaches to venture capital that um, if you want to be in a joking mood or, um, and have a drink in your hand, you could call it a case of professional ADD. And let me explain to you why. Um, I've started my professional career as a PhD physicist, which I've completed from UPenn. I then worked at McKinsey. I then worked um, as a head of marketing strategy at Motorola. And then I I became a professional investor. So in a way, um, all of those stints lend themselves perfectly 
to a combination of Lagos that currently led to Sputnik, because at Sputnik, all of those skills are being used. As an early stage VC, you have to have, it really helps immensely that both my partner, Joe Merrill, who is not on the call, and myself, we're intensely technical, as is our associate, Amanda, that we understand marketing, that we understand the thesis of investing. And in a way, sometimes your hopscotch of a professional journey leads to a career we're perfectly suited for. That's how I choose to look at that. Um, and Amanda, over to you. So um, I'm Amanda, I'm associate at Sputnik. Um, I, um, I guess my story is uh, somewhat similar in that it wasn't a straight path. So um, I went to the University of Texas. I studied chemistry. Um, but I did kind of like marketing type of things outside of that. Um, I was in journalism and I was involved in film type things. And I started at Sputnik as their marketing person. And then I promoted rapidly. <laughs> I, I, I kind of missed the analytical side of things. So made my way over to the yeah. investment side over time. Yeah. And I think that's maybe a, a testament that if you have a dream, you could work yourself toward your dream. But sometimes your dreams are being made for you without you even realizing that. That certainly had been the case for me. I love, cherish what I do every day. I think we make a difference for the companies, for the ecosystem. Um, I think our skills are well matched for that. But if I were to tell you that I perfectly planned that when I was in my 20s, I would be lying through my teeth. So I will not do that. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Now, then can you also give, I love both of your, your kind of short histories there. Can you also give a, a short history of, of kind of Sputnik and, and, and uh, yeah, just basically a short history of Sputnik? Um, absolutely. With pleasure. Um, so Sputnik, uh, we are a Texas-based VC with an accelerator arm, arm attached to this. So the way it works for the founders is twice a year, we recruit people to come into our cohort. Um, you could apply to us through GUST. We select people and uh, twice a year, we narrow down about 700 plus applications to about 25 finalists to about four to six winners. And we are looking for people that are aspiring to build Monumental companies, like uh, in, uh, the industry term for that is unicorn. I don't know whether you guys are familiar with that, but basically for you to make it into Sputnik, you have to aspire to build, build a billion dollar value company, but you are super early in your stage of development. So you only need to have a product and a customer and we will consider you. We like to invest in founders who are makers as in one of you has to be a deep expert in whatever it is you're building. Our perfect combination is a hacker and a hustler. And I think that typically works really well. And then if we pick you, everyone who we pick, we invest $100,000 and we could invest more. And we put companies through an intense 13-week program that literally teaches you a lot of the secret handshakes that exist in the VC world. Perfect. Now, that was just about just before we go into the other questions uh, for people listening now live and then also later on. I know we kind of talked about this before we ever got on the call, but where can people go 
if they want to apply? They can go to SputnikATX.com. Um, so the link is on, if you're on Twitter, you can just go to our Twitter page and click on the link there and it'll take you to um, our, actually it'll take you to our link and bio kind of thing, which has a link to our website to apply and it has a link to our office hours and other things that will help you fill out a good application. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, so that'll be perfect for people listening as well in the future. Uh, now, moving on to some of the next questions, what are some of the current companies that you guys have funded and want to highlight? Oh, wow. Well, look, we funded, mm -hmm. so if you're really, truly curious, we funded everyone from blockchain to fintech to nutritious donuts. All you have to be is you have to be Texas-based, you have to have a product and a customer, and you have to have a significant presence in Texas. Okay? I would say, uh, so he asked us, like, it's some of our highlights. Time. It's like choosing uh, your favorite yeah, which, 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 which child do you, uh, do you like? <laughs> yeah, really? Right. But I'm going to give you a couple of different ones because uh, let me let me preface. I, I don't want to call them highlights because high, our highlights could take the rest of this hour. But I'm going to show you several different ones um, kind of through the cohorts. So if you were to take a look, um, year one of Sputnik, um, check out the company called Backtracks. So Backtracks essentially is building what you could call Google for sound. They're making a spoken word, searchable, discoverable, and creating a marketplace for that. Uh, some of the world's best podcasts are run on their program, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Fantastic founders, uh, Kevin and Jonathan, were in our very first cohort. Um, that's one example to take a look at. Uh, you could take a look at the company called Elite Suites. Uh, they're top of mind because they just visited with us yesterday. So think about nutritious donut. Seems like an oxymoron, but these guys have created a gluten-free, low-sugar, high-protein donut that does not taste like cardboard. Go figure. Uh, fantastic company. Um, let me also point maybe um, Kanthaka, which is Uber for personal trainers. And let me uh, also point out Modtech Labs. So think about bringing in movie production, how they do all the processing and special effects into the new century. They accelerate the development and production of those by something like 97% and shed about as much in cost. We funded fuel jams, which is like this interesting nanoparticle additive into your car uh, that increases the fuel efficiency while reduces particular emissions. Um, so like, so like I see like the really spectrum, if you truly have the ambition and the grid to build a company, we'll find a way to work with you. Got it. Those are some interesting, really interesting companies that you guys have funded. Um, all right. So where do you I mean, where are you guys seeing post COVID? Uh, where are you guys seeing the kind of the current economy and tech going forward from here? Um, are we going to see an increase in VC deals, decrease, no change? What are you seeing? In our world, we see acceleration. I don't want to speak for the whole of VC because we don't live the whole of VC. It's interesting to know that post-COVID, VCs, we really live about eight, 10 years in the future because that's when our companies will be truly exiting into the world. So 
in a way, COVID simultaneously affected us a lot and not affected us a lot. Um, what what it had changed is certain things have emerged. Like you, so I see people not necessarily slowing down the funding. If anything, people are accelerating that. What had changed over the past uh, year and a half is maybe the companies that got funded first were the companies that could get a boost from the pandemic as opposed to slow down from the pandemic. Um, and you will see that also, like, it's interesting that it seems very non-straightforward when you first hear this, but check out, for instance, the stock market had performed remarkably well and performed remarkably well through the beginning of the pandemic. And people were really puzzled until someone told me, okay, so it's not the stock market as an animal, it's a stock market as a collection of stocks. So you could certainly see companies like Amazon and the like that really benefit from the remote really, really increasing in value quickly. Similar analogy could be brought into the world of VCs only maybe on a much smaller scale. Everyone I'm talking to colloquially had been writing a lot of checks. They just have been writing them slightly differently. I think uh, it's interesting also to think about the shift in startup hubs with people being able to work remotely. I think, Oksana, you have an interesting story about um, driving your, when you were driving and you heard the TechCrunch podcast about deal flow in the Valley. Yeah, like it's, it's actually was interesting because about a year ago, like slightly, slightly less than a year, but July of last year, I was driving to our interviews and we were pulling our hair out, trying to narrow down our close to a thousand applicants at the time to 25 finalists. And finally we made that selection. And it was, I was driving to our first day to start meeting with those finalists. And on my car radio was the TechCrunch podcast about how deals are slowing down, how great founders are not starting the company. And I literally wanted to scream out people like, let's move away from 50 mile radius of the Silicon Valley. Um, this Texas market is starved for capital. People are starting the businesses left and right, and they're fantastic businesses, um, and they're craving for capital. They're craving for opportunities. So um, this pandemic had shown people that there is actual life outside of the coasts. So my prediction is the hubs like Austin, the hubs like Miami, the hubs like other places will be continue to emerge. And I think that's really healthy for our industry. And it's good for founders. Perfect. Now, okay, so you got you guys kind of touched on that just a second ago, but uh, I mean, are you guys seeing a lot of people or companies, hubs, or just HQs from a number of maybe Valley-based companies moving to to Austin and maybe Texas in general? Oh, yeah. There's a yeah, lot of the news, news really. There, there's okay. a uh, there's a newsletter in Austin called um, Austin Inno Newsletter, and it's pretty good. It um, by Brent Wistrom over here in Austin, and uh, it's weekly, I believe, and he highlights um, companies like basically startup startup news in Austin. It seems like every week there's a co new company from Silicon Valley, a big one that's moving to Austin or a startup that's like series A or B or yeah. older. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as our applications go for the earlier stage startups, um, I think it's a mix. We get applications from the Valley, but um, also from just various other hubs and not even startup hubs. Yeah. 
Yeah, just kind of um, all I've over. Heard there, there is this um, capital um, VC fund. Uh, I think they're from Kansas City, and they um, humorously named themselves the Flyover Capital. And uh, like when I asked like flyover, what do you mean? And he said, we actually invest only in a flyover country, which is as you fly from New York to San Francisco, we invest in everything that your plane flies over. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, so I would say that the flyover country had gotten a boost because we have proven that a lot of work can be done remotely. And as a result, their critical mass of, entrepreneurial people that begin coalescing in several hubs and I certainly cannot speak for the rest of the country, but I do think that Texas is benefiting from this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now I'd like to open it up to uh, maybe like two or three kind of audience questions. So if anyone in the current audience, if you want to uh, come up here, uh, just request and then, if you want to stay anonymous, you know, you can just DM me and I will, uh, I can ask them as well um, or them and they can maybe uh, repeat that question. So others, others can uh, respond as well. So if anyone has a question, just request and uh, we can bring them up. I know we're getting a few more from a few more people at the end here. Um, so I'll just give that a second. Let's see. Okay, so I got a question in my DM. They wanted to stay anonymous, but they were wondering, is it is it interesting or is it um, what they're saying is, I guess, it sounds like they're a little bit foreign, but the, the question is basically, even if you're out of the country and maybe in, in India and other countries, is there still value in trying to apply for USA stuff or or should they stick to their current kind of VC market, like if they're in India or other countries, so they try and fly for Austin or, or the Valley, or so they just try and go for their local, local firms. Um, the honest answer to that question would be, it depends. It depends upon the goals. It depends upon them. Um, it depends upon um, um, the match between you and accelerator. So you have to be thinking about over UNVC. So uh, when you are a founder, um, you have to be picky with investor partners you choose because there is nothing more difficult in this life than to divorce your investor. Um, and so you have to pick the one where your values are aligned, your expertise is complementary, and you truly want to be building something together. Um, so with that in mind, I think um, there is a, like, if your business is inherently India, for instance, let's take India, for example, if your business is inherently India and there are terrific VCs that are in India um, that are writing checks and you probably will be a lot better off applying for um, an accelerator or like trying to get the money from India, um, then um, if you, if your business is inherently global and you want to originated from India, it is um, surely is possible. And a few examples could come to mind. Um, this hotel chain, I think, um, God, I'm blanking, starts with a Y, like, but just like it's here, but the founder was an 18-year-old, when he started was an 18-year-old young man from India and he built 
a billion dollar company almost single-handedly by providing an affordable and respectable holiday situations for middle class starting in India first and bringing the same concept here to US. So it's possible, but maybe like for your later rounds, you would want to be in US. Um, so that's the answer to that question in general. Now, the answer to this question tactically in this moment in time, um, if you want to apply to US, there are some um, particularly if you're super early and you want to get accelerated, there are some accelerators that are perpetually um, online and then you could just go do that. Um, or you could try to go get a visa or get a visitor's visa to come and visit with people. For Sputnik specifically, we want to invest in the companies that are planning to move that headquarters to Texas. Um, and so that's what we would insist on. Uh, through the pandemic, we had invested in a company that had um, found the founders were in Bangladesh, but they're moving to Texas. It makes sense for their business. If it doesn't make for sense for their business, I think I would not approach your company just because you want to have a U.S. investor. That's my perspective. Amanda, you want to add? Yeah, um, I agree with that. I think Exxon pretty much said this already, but um, we always tell the founders to interview and their potential investors just as much as the investors are interviewing them. Um, I think that applies here. It, you know, I wouldn't just select someone just because they're a U.S. based investor. Okay, perfect. And again, uh, anyone in the audience, if you want to come up, come up and ask a question, just request, and I will uh, bring you up to ask a, a question. I got another question in the DM in the DMs. Um, this question, I guess, no one wants to. Uh, come up here and talk they want to stay anonymous which is fine um okay is is there one quality or one thing you see in a founder when when they're pitching you that makes you go okay we have to invest in this company hmm. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I yeah i don't think it's one but um I think maybe you can touch on uh, like multiple qualities that you really look for, or really like to see in a founder. Yeah. So there's one um, question that we like to ask. Oksana loves this question, which is going forward in time and thinking about what your startup looks like three years, five years, 10 years from now. And that question is really about the vision and what people see their company being in the future and how big they plan to grow it. Um, some people will answer the question, you know, I think I want to grow this company into a $20 million business or $50 million business, which is amazing. And they might end up better in the end, honestly, as the founder. But for us, um, for, for what our thesis for what we look for in particular is companies that want to be unicorns one day. So the, the answer for us, for that to be a good fit would maybe like over a hundred, $200 million. So, and it's not just about the exit. Yeah. It's about and it's rarely one, it's rarely one, a one quality, if you will, in the company. And so Amanda brought up, it's interesting. Is the market big enough and the ambition big enough for this founder to, to take on this? 
is the product meaningful? And Joe Merrill, um, a partner who is not on the call, he has a fantastic blog post that I highly recommend on the consumer surplus um, that um, we could repost on our Twitter feed when we're done. Um, that kind of answer your, when you're creating a new product, the higher the consumer surplus, the likely people will adopt that product going forward. So that is important. Who is building this product is important. Uh, do we see the right team and do we see the right level of magnetism so these people could attract other people? Because let's face it, startup is actually super risky. And so not only you're risking your own lives, like professional lives, um, you also will have to convince a whole bunch of other people to take a chance on you, both customers and employees. So unless you have that conviction and magnetism in you that you believe this is happening, you are the person to do it, um, we are looking for that for sure. Um, we are looking for passion and grit, and we are looking for, because I think um, it is actually a very difficult journey. It's being often over overly glamorized in various media from entrepreneur to wire to fortune to reddit um but it's actually pretty darn difficult and you have to be ready to eat bitter and work long hours for eight to ten years so do you do you believe in it enough um to actually go do that is important um do you have something that makes you uniquely qualified to do this business why you why now um um it's a good it's, it's a good question but i'm afraid there is not one thing if you guys follow y combinator and go to their startup school um i really love their partner his name is kevin hale he puts really amazing talks and i think he has i forgot the exact podcast number but he basically did this really good talk on how Y Combinator evaluates new ideas. That's very interesting for entrepreneurs to listen to because that kind of puts you into our shoes. And then another thing to remember is what's right for us might not be right for the VC next door. We're all different. We all have different pieces. We invest in different stages and industries, et cetera, et cetera. So it's often like, just like with human connection, when you're looking for your VC, it's a match. It's not only what you're doing has to make sense, but for whom it makes sense. And then, and another thing to add is sometimes the most genius ideas, um, the reason they're genius, they seem they're outright crazy. And if you don't believe me, go look up the story of Airbnb. And imagine Got yourself, it. sending yourself back in time and imagine if you were to write, um, if you were to commit your grandmother's pension to the idea of someone sleeping on someone else's mattress that you've never met before, would you in fact do that? Um, so that's a very interesting story for those of you that are hatching wild ideas. Go look at that because I think you will find it um, funny, educational, and inspirational. And you also will see that a lot of brand name VCs have totally missed that. Got it. Got it. Alrighty. Uh, we'll probably do maybe just a couple more questions. I'm sure you guys are extremely busy and, and want to get back to work soon as well. Um, I got another question in the DM. They're asking, maybe other than an accelerator, what would you say the best way is for someone to really get in touch with a VC firm and really start the relationship to possibly get 
get into a pitch meeting? Is it, is it connections? Is it traction? Is it, um, you know, what, what would you say really, really helps get you in there, get you in the door? I think one, one good way to do it, um, is to look up a company's, uh, a VC's portfolio companies and connect with the founders. Um, it's interesting if, if you have some kind of business synergy with the, with one of their portfolio companies. Um, but even just like connecting with someone as a fellow founder and getting an intro to the VC that way, I think that's a good, um, a good thing to try because we pretty much always take a meeting from, uh, that's recommended to us by our, one of our alum. Um, Let's see, there, in Austin specifically, there are tons of events, um, lots of events where VCs and um, other people from the startup community attend. Um, that's a great way to yeah. meet people. And, and just also like follow us on social, because for instance, if you wanted to meet Sputnik, any one of you could, because I'm hosting both me and Joe and Amanda. Um, uh, we had putting ourselves out there on Zoom and you could just sign up for the office hours and you get 15 minutes um, conversation with me on the topic of your choosing just for clicking on that link. And um, that's available. That may, may not be available this week, but it might be available next week. And you may not, my office hours could have filled out, but Amanda's hadn't or vice versa. Um, totally possible to meet with VC. And um, cold approaches also work if they're done well, which is we're talking to one of our portfolio companies that got in with probably the most premier VC fund in the world by purely writing to them. And, um, and what they've later learned, they were the only cold approach. And th that also happens. Traction really helps. Um, so sharing with the VC this is what I'm doing. This is how quickly it's growing. And this is, you know, and being polite and responsible. Um, VCs talk to each other right. as well. So if you meet a VC that is a good fit or isn't a good fit, you can always ask them who else you should talk to. Um, because we're not, we all play team sport. It's not, uh, we're not really um, yeah, in our own worlds all the time. Got it. Okay, but it so also goes, goes, goes the other way. If you have been less than polite <laughs> to a VC, um, that, that world might travel. It's just treat like, you know, honestly, um, don't accept arrogance um, from people our profession, but also be kind and responsible and value our time and um, good things will happen to you. But also be persistent. Don't think that you would overbother us. Um, too. Like there is, there is a balance between being a pest and being um, um, a wallflower and, uh, and uh, sorry, a wallpaper. And you don't want to be either. You have to be somewhere in the middle. You have to, um, whatever the good manners that your parents taught you, use them. And I think you will be fine. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Now, I guess we'll get to one last question here. Uh, Creaky, I brought Creaky up. Did you have a, a question, Creaky? Well, my question was just, you know, um, when do we consider the United States government uh, a Ponzi scheme? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
I think it's a matter of opinion. I don't think we're qualified to answer that question. Uh, But anything VC-related, we're happy to tackle on. Do you have Do you have anything BC related, uh, Creaky? I don't. Okay. All right. Good luck figuring that out, Creaky. Good to hear from you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I brought him down, but I brought up Wolf. Uh, He's one of my good friends. Maybe Wolf, do you have a question? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Um, I'm sorry, I probably caught this late. They may have touched on it, but um, on the uh, reverse side, like say you wanted to be. BAVC. I know a lot of people who invest for a living on these places and these platforms look for uh, more returns or more alpha or asymmetric risk. Do you have any tips for those people? Um, let me rephrase the question to make sure you understand you correctly. So if you want to, like there are a lot of platforms emerging where um, anyone could come and uh, basically back the company, VC-like company, but crowdfunding. And so if this is you, um, what would, what, how, how do you? My, my question is more like how, like, um, I know you mentioned uh, the events and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that I agree that does work. I, I come from a similar background in the startup world or whatever, but for people who are looking to be like angel investors or something like that and have no idea where to begin, do you guys have any input or any insight for them? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so one is I think that's just anything else learn and uh, check out uh, Y Combinator have done a school for beginner investors. I think that was excellent. Um, the, if I were to give three tips, tip number one is allocate the amount of money and the chat has to be a small portion of overall your investable assets uh, because the returns when you're investing in a startup, you essentially are locking that money for eight to 10 years and you'll likely never see it again. That's kind of like, and that's probably the most important advice. The second advice um, I would say, make sure you really diversify um, because uh, it's extremely difficult to predict, to bet on one winner. Uh, But if you invest in enough companies, chances are um, that um, um, you're gonna gonna pick someone who is great. Um, And then, Advice number three, um, basically there are two things there. Think about where you get the deal flow and why that would be advantageous, but also have a set of principles on how you invest. One of the, when I first started investing for myself early on, I was going for the thesis of the company and a lot of things, but I didn't have the principles. I only do X, Y, Z. And when you're not limiting what it is you do, it's very hard for you to then discern good decisions from sheer luck. Um, And so if you were to invest over the long run, you want to be able to refine and invest your process. So only invest what you could lose, hear about your pipeline, and be patient and have a set of principles uh, that will help you refine your process. And there are a lot of great investor groups that you could join that that also is helpful. I I would add also um, there's a program I don't know if it's local to Austin or if it's virtual or something but uh, I heard good thing, th- things about it called Going VC and I think uh, it seems like it's a and I think they have a little fund attached to um, the other thing is. 
I think it would be good to, to be a part of a startup. Um, I think you would learn a lot um, as if you guys follow meme investor, you probably like VC brags too. And VC brags says VCs create value. Um, so, or add value, I mean. So if you want to add value, I think it, it would help to be a part of a startup and kind of know how the ins and outs of how to bring helping founders because um, on the other end, end of the um, VC founder relationship, the founders want money, but also advice and guidance on how to grow. Yeah. And remember, particularly this is the mistake that often people who were fantastic operators make um, when they begin investing, you're no longer an operator. So it's really hard to separate yourself from that. You know, you could give advice, but you're not running the company. And so like you have to approach it as, as an investor. And that's a sl slightly different hat. I will plug one of our portfolio companies here. If you're truly thinking about this, look up the company called Funder, F-U-N-D-R. Funder is an AI-driven platform, investment platform, where it matches uh, emerging investors and angel groups and angels with phenomenal companies that are founded by your non-traditional founders, like uh, people of color, women, uh, people who do not live in the Silicon Valley, 15 miles away from um, Silicon Valley. Um, and they have an AI-assisted algorithm that you could invest in portfolios, so they will essentially diversify for you right away. So if you're trying just to dip your toes, that would be a great way um, to go or look up someone just like them. Uh, there are a few. Oh, and I thought of one more thing. I've met some people recently that got into um, VC, at least as associates so far, um, by becoming scouts. So they don't work for the VC uh, or they didn't start by working out, working for the VC um, as a full-time employee, but they would scout companies and get some carry. And then eventually they got hired. Um, so that's a, another way. Got it. Okay. Alrighty. Well, I wanted to thank Sputnik for coming on. I wanted to thank a lot of people asking questions. I know, uh, Spandek, you guys, your time is extremely valued, and uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, just, I'll give you one last word as well in a second, but for anyone listening in the audience and also that will be listening in the future, uh, or in the near future, Sputnik has applications open for their accelerator, so go to their page, and you can click on their website and their bio, and uh, if you'd like to apply, you can apply. And uh, hopefully maybe there's at least one in the audience or that eventually apply that, that kind of comes through these through these uh, talks. That would be really cool. But um, just to end it, Spendik, did you want to uh, maybe make one last comment on anything? Um, yeah, like, thank you so much for inviting us. Over. We always we exist to help founders and we always appreciate these authentic fun dialogues. So very grateful for you to inviting us here and for all of you guys that are founders Hats off to you. You're doing something that is valuable, courageous, and difficult, and not many people realize that. So um, I want to add that with humility and gratitude for what you guys do. Thank you for coming here. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you for, for everyone listening. And uh, again, thank you to Sputnik. Um, you guys are amazing and, and hope uh, 
you have a lot of success in the fu- in the near future and, and in the future as well. But to everyone in the audience as well and listening, have a great day and uh, have a great rest of your week. Awesome. Awesome. You Thank too. you. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.